It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the Sunday edition, weekend edition, whatever you want to call it. This one's for the people. Thank you for listening. Justin Ferguson back here in Auburn, Alabama. Dan Peck of the Dan Peck Multimedia Empire also checking in from Auburn. How are we doing, Dan? Holding it down uh, at, the, at, at Peck Manor. While I agree this one is for the people, what what is that? Where, where does that leave all the other ones? This so it's just a way of saying this one's a free one. So this is for everybody, right? You know, we have our inner circle. We save we save our best. We save our very best work, I believe, behind the paywall for our for our second show we do each week. But this one, this one's for everybody. Um, you know, and and I'm not I'm not naive. You know, there there the numbers bear it out too. There there are quite a few of you who just listen to the free podcast during the week, and we appreciate you guys. Uh, as well, so that was that was the thing. This is this for everybody. anybody anybody on the internet can come log on and listen to this right now. Um, you know, and again, we're we're still the most popular niche Auburn sports podcast in Finland. So I mean, fo- folks in Finland still are still getting this heat. And you seemed proud on social media of the topics covered in the most recent episode, right? With two chains and Cliff Ellis, both. Uh... If there's ever been a podcast that has talked more about two chains and Cliff Ellis in this, I, I don't know which one. You know, I, I think that I think we won that one. Um, and I feel I feel like we got a lot to talk about from this one. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, also joining us today, as yeah. always, editor, engineer, uh, producer, Renaissance man, Painter Sharpless, checking in from the underground bunker. Uh, Painter, how we doing? Doing well, doing well. Uh, let me tell you who else is doing well. Uh, that would be the Auburn men's basketball team. Uh, they're coming off of a huge win on Saturday in Atlanta, and that's what's going to be. That's what we're going to talk about for most of this podcast today. Auburn one hundred and four, Indiana seventy six. Uh, right off the rip, gentlemen. Uh, this is a team that lost to App State. Um, a few days ago, uh, you know, a, a week ago from the from the time we were recording this, Indiana team probably a step above App State, not not a ton, but a, a step above in a lot of rankings. Um, you know, maybe at least around that caliber. And man, I think it says a lot uh, that this team fell behind twelve, down by twelve early, and. From then on, it was all Auburn. Uh, it was a forty-point swing the rest of the way. Quickly got back in, and we'll, we'll we'll break down all the details and all the all the uh, you know bits and pieces of this game. But Painter, like, I don't know, it, you know, it, it kind of came out to me on the watching it from for, you know from the stadium in the arena. Um, I don't know how it came across on TV. It was like. Indiana hit their surprising shots early and got up and it, it, but it felt like Auburn just was like, all right, you know, they'd never, they'd ever seem rattled. Uh, and either of those, you know, I think they had a, a timeout. There was a media timeout and Auburn just kind of stuck to their guns and uh, full credit to them for, for not getting rattled by that. A number of things seem to come together for the team and also uh, what a fun crowd. Oh man. Awesome crowd. It's, it felt like an NCAA tournament game because you're playing in an NBA arena uh, Indiana, I was I was told um, that uh, you know. By the way, uh, met some, got to meet some folks. Always get to get to hang out, uh, you know, and, and meet some folks at halftime or before the game. Uh, whenever we go to these road games or these neutral site games, and uh, two of the people I met on uh, on Saturday for the first time is our buddy Connor, 
uh, from home field uh, coming down and, and Tom and Tom, who also we've worked with at home field before um, they informed me that Atlanta is the second biggest uh, alumni base for uh, Indiana. Like there's a lot of folks uh, who went to IU that live in Atlanta. And so the crowd, I mean, it, it probably ended up being about even uh, when it was all said and done in terms of, in terms of the size, but, we all know Indiana basketball travels well, and and they had a lot of people to pull from in this game. Auburn, obviously, really close. It was it felt like 50-50. The crowd was amped on every shot. It was back and forth. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, I feel like this is a really this is a really really good atmosphere and a good, I think, proving ground. You know, uh, you know a real proving ground for like Auburn heading into maybe an NCAA tournament game later this year. Cause that's what it really, really felt like watching Auburn make the run in the final 12 minutes of the first half when it went from, was it 21, 10 Indiana to the, the halftime score of a uh, 52, 34. So it was a, it's a 42, 12, uh, run by Auburn to close out the first half. It was like, I mean, it was like watching water get into a boat, right? Like the more, like Indiana knew, they, I mean, they they tried virtually everything to to turn the tide back, but it just wasn't like once Auburn got rolling, uh, you know, you you saw how, uh, you know, it was it was going to be a really tough run for for Indiana, and it it starts. I mean, there was there was I mean, forty two points in twelve minutes is is a really impressive offensive output but a lot of that starts with the defense right justin yeah no absolutely and uh I, you know i asked i asked katie johnson after the game about you know the three-point shooting because auburn in this one you know of of the many things we're going to get to from this game the fact that auburn shot 14 of 29 from deep was one of their best three-point shooting performances in several seasons Uh, 48% hitting 14. The last time they had hit 14 threes in a game, by the way, two years ago when they played Nebraska in this game and ran them out of the building. Um, And and I think this Indiana team is better than Nebraska due to the fact that Indiana is more of an NCAA tournament contender uh, and and it's Indiana basketball. Um, But I asked KD about like, hey, you you finally, you guys finally, you know, started hitting the threes more. And, And I had said it. You know, a few times and written it probably once or twice over the last couple of weeks when Auburn was slumping on offense. It's like this team internally has the confidence that they're going to hit shots. They're all good shooters. Well, most of them are very good shooters. They got a couple of guys who aren't necessarily dead eyes from deep and, and some who don't even, you know, at least one or two that, that don't don't try very often. But they believe that they, that they were going to come out of it at some point and they, that they stuck to it. Hey, stick to your guns. You're going to be fine on the other side. And so I asked KD about that. And KD said this, he said, even if it, I mean, the three point shooting wasn't on and we got the dub still, it starts on defense. We've got to be able to stop somebody. If our shot is not falling, but we're stopping them, we still got a great chance to win. So we just focus on the defensive part and rebounding. Um, to that point, you know, Auburn, Number 16 defense in the country on Ken Palm, number eight in effective field goal percentage. This defense is playing fantastic basketball early in the year. Um, this team does not have a, uh, you know, Walker Kessler down low, but they still block shots at a really good rate. They're not even forcing a ton of turnovers. It's, you know, they're, they're 120, 120th in the country in turnover percentage. 
but they just they just do a really good job of locking teams down and and finding ways. And you're right, Dan. Like this started on defense because Auburn did something on defense that they normally wouldn't do. So to defend Indiana, we talked about it in the last podcast. I guess I wrote about it uh, in the preview on Saturday. Indiana doesn't take threes or make threes, and then of course they hit four in less than four minutes in this game. So it kind of felt artificial after that. By the way, after those four threes early, Indiana didn't hit another one for for about 30 minutes of game time. So it was like regression to the mean really started punching Indiana in this one. Auburn stuck to their guns on their defensive plan, and it was a good one. Indiana in the front court. You got Malik Renault, and you got um, – and I, I, might, I might, be, might be pronouncing that one wrong. Uh, and then Kalel Ware. So Renault's the, the four-man. He's about 6'9". He's thicker. He's 230, 240. Um, does a lot of his damage down low. Ware can stretch the floor a little bit more as a seven-footer. Five, he's, he might be their best three-point shooter this year. And so what Auburn did in this matchup is said, hey, when we play man-to-man, we're going to take our four-man and put him on Ware, and we're going to take our center and put him on Renault. So switch it up, four and five switching responsibilities, knowing that the center, our biggest guy, needs to go up against probably not their tallest guy, but maybe their most inside-focused guy. And Renault had a pretty good game, but Auburn made life really, really difficult on him. And so they made the exchange and said, hey, we're going to put a smaller guy on where, and when we put a smaller guy on where, we're going to double. We're going to double. We're going to we're going to bring a wing or a guard over to double team him. We're going to we're going to try to get the ball out of his hands because he's such a really good player, averaging nearly 20 points a game this year. And we will live with the consequences of doubling him. If they kick out and shoot, good. They're not, they're not a great three-point shooting team. We're not going to just leave them wide open, but it's not going to be the central focus. Indiana attacked that early, and then when the shooting dried up, Auburn really started pounding them into submission. Uh, I mean, it, it, Indiana had, I think it was like seven and a half minutes in the first half between field goals. Like, couldn't really do much of anything. And, and we noticed that in Indiana's conference games, they, you know, there was this sort of, there were there were these mystery points, right, where you could see right. that there were the points in the paint that Indiana was scoring, you knew what they were doing at the three-point line. There was another 20, 30 points that you had to account for. I mean, this is a team, and you go back and watch the games and it shows up, this is a team willing to shoot mid-range jumpers. Uh, the, the commentary team, Jimmy Dykes would say, you know, they were settling for a lot of those mid-range yeah. jumpers instead of, instead of working it in. I wonder if the tempo got to them because they, you know, they, they, were, they were trying to match Auburn's pace and instead of letting... Instead of letting Auburn's defense get set up, they would launch an early shot and, and try to and, and try to play the game that way. And you know, a lot, lot of those, a lot of those didn't go Indiana's way. Galilwera finished the game two of eight from the field. Um, so Auburn really took a uh, did a really good job against him, and, and that is their best player. Now he went eight to ten from the free throw line. They did they did foul him. Chaney uh, Johnson didn't get to play most of this game because he got in early foul trouble and stayed in early fa- in that foul trouble, but. Janai had four fouls, and several of those were towards the end of the game. Uh, Dylan only had one. Like Auburn, uh, you know, Jalen Williams only had three. Like Auburn knew they were going to have to use their fouls in this game. And Indiana, as we talked about on the last podcast, like Indiana's not a good free throw shooting team. It was more kind of volume instead of quality when it came to them from the line this year. They get to the line a lot, but they aren't great hitting them. Um, And so Auburn was going to live with that exchange. Hey, you take mid range and three pointers, and we we'll, we'll, we won't be afraid to send you the free throw line, but we can't have you score 
routinely in the paint and at the rim. And um, I mean, this is a stat from uh, real quick. This is a stat from uh, CBB Analytics who mentioned that um, Indiana fifty three point five percent of their points this season, so over half of their points this season, come in the paint. That is ninety. That is in the ninety eighth percentile in college basketball. So this is one of the best interior offenses in the country. Against Auburn, less than forty percent of their points came in the paint. Auburn did a really good job of just taking away what Indiana was best at. And Mike Woodson said it after the game, and I think one of the other, I think the Cups kid from Indiana said it as well. Auburn physically prevented Indiana from doing what they wanted to do, and it, it set the tone. And even in a game where you score one hundred and four points. You're talking about this defense, and I think that's that's a really, really – that's a sign of just how balanced this Auburn basketball team is. Auburn had more points in the paint than Indiana did. Yeah. Which, when you think about the height difference the height difference between the two teams, like that's that seems unthinkable. And, and as many jumpers as Auburn hit in this game. Right. Not uh, just threes. There were several mid-range uh, shots that went down. Speaking of the threes, we talked about the uh, – you know, last week, I think it was on the drive and on this show – uh, that that Indiana seemed to be a team that would let let their opponent shoot their way out of a game from three, and Auburn took advantage of those looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, and they got free and they knocked him down. And I think the big thing, look, Aiden Holloway had struggled the last few games to get his shot and get in a rhythm. And what does Auburn do on the first possession of the game? They run a set to get Aiden Holloway a look from three. And he knocks it down. And he knocked down another one uh, later. He finished the game with 24. Jalen Williams finished the game with 24. Both of those guys, I mean, they deserve segments of this podcast on their own. But we'll start with Holloway here. Five of eight from deep. Um, seven of 11 uh, from the field. I think he, he had a really good finish in traffic. A nice layup where he, where he absorbed some contact, knocked it down. Had a killer step back mid-range jumper. Uh, that, that was one of the highlights of the game. Went five of five from the free throw line. Kid looked back. I mean, he just he 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 got in that groove early, and he does seem like a very much a rhythm player. And we saw him ha- last few games have a hard time kind of getting that going. And Auburn attacked Indiana because they knew Indiana was going to drop their coverage. They're, they're going to drop coverage on pick and rolls, which means when they when when you run a screen instead of switching, instead of going over, they like to drop and drop their big men back to prevent you from getting to the basket. What that does is it creates more space for shooters because they're not going over, because they're not switching, they're not they're not hedging, they're not going high, they're not icing, they're not doing anything like that. They're dropping, and so when they drop, you're getting more space to shoot. And Indiana will take the exchange of saying, hey, we'll let you shoot that shot more often than not because we think we don't want you to get to the basket, we don't want you to get the easiest ones, and we're going to corral the rebound when you miss it. That was the exchange they made. Well, the problem is that Aiden Holloway doesn't need a lot of space. This is a kid. I mean, we talked to Jalen Williams about him about it on Thursday. He mentioned he said Aiden just needs a very, very little amount of room to pull the trigger. And so when you're so when you're playing drop coverage against a guy like that, I mean Auburn just kept finding ways to get him open uh, and get him get him to pull the trigger. And then when Indiana got aggressive and tried to double him, like some teams have done in the past, to to you know get the you know, get the ball out of his hands. Somebody was wide open and somebody was going to knock it down. Uh, Auburn in this game, you know, 14 threes. They had uh, they had seven different guys hit a, hit, hit a three in this game, even in a game where Holloway went, you know, five of eight from deep. But 
exactly the type of game painter. Like we we had been talking about this with 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 Aiden. Like bet on talent, stay the course. He's gonna figure it out eventually. And I mean, I think it says a lot about Bruce and this staff and Aiden in particular that like a guy has been struggling to shoot the ball and right from the jump they're like nope we're going to get him going we've got to get him going early and it made a huge difference in this game absolutely and and there will probably come a stretch in conference play where he runs into a little bit of a rut but i think this is a positive step for him obviously just an insane game from him um i pointed out in the observations on sunday morning his his true shooting percentage which combines uh, you know it adds the value of what three pointers and feel and free throws do to a normal shooting percentage 90%. So we're talking about one of the best possible shooting performances you can have uh, for a guy who took 11 shots and is, you know, a six foot point guard. He's, he's a phenom, man. Like it is, it, it is special to watch him play. Um, he's not just a guy who'll just bomb you from deep. He does get, you know, get to the basket uh, a decent bit. You know, I thought he did a better job of look making and trying to find some of those two point looks at times, getting to the free throw line. And just, I mean, he had he had Indiana on a string in this game, and Indiana, they're so front court focused, right? They've got so much going on with them uh, up front that their back court just doesn't really have it that much. Um, they've got got a couple of guys who can play. They're missing Xavier Johnson right now. Uh, they're 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 very experienced point guard, and Auburn just took full advantage of this game because. You know, their ace, their 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 young, you know, five star point guard really came to play. And everybody did as well, but Holloway getting going early just changed the dynamic of the game because he creates his own gravity, much like sometimes you can see from the front court from Auburn, and it frees up space for other people to go to work. One of those guys who got freed up to do some work, Jalen Williams, twenty four points, tying a career high there, eight of fourteen from the floor, two of four from deep, six and nine from the line, six boards. Seven assists, a block, and a steal. Uh, Bruce said after the game, this was probably his best game, uh, the, the best he's ever played. I would tend to agree. Um, playing in an event in Atlanta, his uncle, uh, Chris, runs the event. And so, um, you know, he had a lot of family in attendance, and he put on a show. And it was early in the game. Uh, Dan, I don't, remember, I don't know if you remember this uh, from watching it, but it was early in the game when Indiana was on that run early, and one of the buckets Auburn hit, was a, I mean, just an audacious step back three from from Jalen, where he he just got his man one on one, got free and knocked it down. He did that a couple more times in this game too. He played with a ton of aggression and freedom, and I mean, that's what this dude's capable. He's not going to do this every game, obviously, but this is what this dude is capable of when he's when when he's really locked in. Right. We we talked about the basket he had in the final minute of the App State game. Right as as a positive sign because there there had been, you know, there had been late game moments where you hadn't seen Jalen Williams at his best, and and for him to have a big basket, you know, against App State, you know, in in a in a gotta have it situation was a nice thing to see. And then, uh, like you said, like Bruce said, at at least his best game of this season, and maybe maybe the best he's played in an Auburn career. The putback, uh, you know, on on the uh, the the, mm-hmm. put, the putback jam was uh, was was one of his career highlights and and yeah just in general playing in control and uh being uh the you know, facilitating when he needed to uh when we needed to help his teammates out but also hitting open shots when, when the defense uh g- gave him a favorable look 
seven assists from him in this game. Absolutely fantastic. Um, by the way, Chad Baker Mazzara, 11 off the bench, four assists off the bench. He continues to be a great spark plug, a great player for Auburn uh, in, in that capacity. And I think Auburn loves what he brings off the bench in that second rotation, uh, what, what he brings to the table. But yeah, Jalen, I mean, he just played with a lot of freedom. And when Indiana really started, I mean, it was clear Indiana had two things that they wanted to do in this game. They wanted to, they wanted to get the, they wanted to keep Janai Broom from from rolling, and and you know, Auburn scored 104 in this game, and Janai Broom only scored two. I think that says a ton about this this team at this point. But when that was not as big of a deal, and they started forcing it, you know, trying to really get after Aiden Trey Donaldson as well. I think that run there Auburn had in the first half, you saw Trey pushing the pace, making a lot of fast break moves and some good assists, reading the floor, he knocked down some threes as well in this game. Um. Then they tried to get it out of the point guard's hands because they knew how dangerous it was. And so the ball went to Jalen a lot. And one, their big men could not hang with Jalen. Um, they were not quick enough to kind of hang with him you know, off the dribble. And then two, he, he he's a guard. He's a big guard. And, you know, when you can do some of the stuff that he does – on the offensive end at the four spot, it just changes so much about your offense. And full credit needs to go with him on the defensive side too. Auburn doubled a lot on where with uh you know with Williams and and Cheney Johnson in this game. And and Cheney, you know, like I said, got in foul trouble early and, and Auburn had to play Williams a lot more. They doubled him sometimes. There were also some times where it was just one on one between Jalen Williams and and and, and Khalil Ware and and Jalen won those matchups uh, on defense. And that's I mean, that's a complete game. That's a complete game from a fifth-year senior. That's what you want. Again, you're not going to get this every single game out of him, but, you know, this is a dude that is that is capable of doing some of everything at a high level when he's when when he's on the floor, and he knows the system like the back of his hand. Uh, so great win, great game for, for Jalen Williams. I mean, both those guys scored 24. Uh, first time Auburn has had a pair of 20-point games uh, in, in, the same, in the same matchup since uh, – Jabari had 30, and uh, I think Walker had 20-something against Vanderbilt a couple years ago. And a, and a couple big stretches in this game. Um, when In the second half, when Indiana cut it to 11, uh, uh, Jalen had one of the three-pointers, right, that, uh, that that sort of stretched Auburn's lead back to, to when it was, it was more comfortable. And I guess we should talk about both Katie and Denver and the the – runs they both had right to uh to, to get some to, to get some offense going because that was i that I means it's always fun to see kd get really hot you know and especially in front of a crowd like that in in his city uh as he then, yelled his yeah, city that's it's his city and, the, and then denver uh probably the best you know best few minutes uh you know consecutive minutes in uh in a game we've seen from him too right yeah both of those guys played really well um you know Auburn had not gotten a ton out of their two yards this season on offense. And it's not surprising me in a game where, again, Aiden scored a ton, Jalen scored a ton, but you got a combined 26 points from Trey Donaldson. I mean, I'm sorry, from, from Katie Johnson and Denver Jones. Um, in that run in the first half, by the way, for Auburn, Denver Jones had nine points in less than four minutes, and then KD had nine points in less than four minutes. Um, they were given Indiana's backcourt the Blues. Uh, they 
Indiana's guards, like they are deficient at guard. This is a solid basketball team, but it is very post-centric, especially with Xavier Johnson out. They don't really have the kind of guards that Auburn has. And Denver, I mean, played with a lot of confidence in this game. Like he, you saw him take some tough, maybe not some tough looks, but take some very confident-looking threes and hitting them. And then, meanwhile, it's just Katie Johnson being a maniac. And there was that stretch where he was just anything he was doing was working. Just anything he was going to do. Um, they couldn't go, they couldn't stay in front of him. Auburn had too much speed. And it's that, it's that strategy that Auburn employs when you play 10 deep. Aiden Holloway says they have 10 starters, I think, which I think is a really cool way to look at it. When you play 10 deep and you're faster than the other team, Dan, you were talking earlier about it, the pace getting to Indiana. Um, the Cups kid mentioned how it was tough to get uh, to contest Auburn at the three point line as much because they were going so fast and they were they were spreading spreading Auburn out. When you have a guy like Katie Johnson coming off your bench and he it he's just playing at a faster level than everyone else, and that Indiana team's getting tired and they're not as deep and they, it just wears on a team and wears on a team and and Katie took full advantage, but yeah, that's a big thing we had talked about. There are a number of ways on this uh, areas on this team where you can say, "Hey, this could get better rather easily," and this could be a, this could be a much better Auburn basketball team. Two guard production was one of them, and Denver and KD both having their moments in the first half and, and both playing well in the second half too uh, meant a lot. And uh, you know, for KD, it wasn't anything like non KD, right? What's KD do? He's going to get to the basket. He's going he's going to shoot open threes. He's going to create off the dribble. And he's going to create. He's going to cause a lot of havoc on defense. He just did that, and it worked. And like it, it was a really good matchup for 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 him to 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 get turned loose in that. So, um, but yeah, whole lot of fun to watch. And and you know, Painter, I'm sure on TV, I'm sure on TV, you could they they really hammered home just how much Katie was just going just going nuts. I mean, he ran into the crowd at one point in the game. He was it was it was vintage Katie. Right. And at a certain point, you know, the game got out of hand. And so you had to draw on other entertaining aspects. And KD was was that he, he had that one step back three where where I was sitting by our buddy Nathan uh, King in the, in the on the press row. And like he went down the floor and like he, as soon as he got in the ball in his hands, I said, well, Katie's about to shoot this. <laughs> and like when he pulled it, I was like, no way. And sure enough, just right. I mean, he had that wild reverse layup in the second half too. It was like everything he touched was just golden at this point. It, it, it's it's great to see from KD. You mentioned in the observations he was what plus twenty three in the in, in the first half was was that KD. Was that was oh, that was, oh, that was Jalen. Okay, oh, that was Jalen. Okay, uh, KD was KD had a really good plus minus too. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he had he had nine in the first half. Denver had twelve in the first half. He had yeah, all the, guy, of his the, the guys the guys that were out there on that run in the final twelve minutes of the of the first half, you know, really, and they were cycling. Yeah, they were, but you know, they, they were. The, the, that's mm-hmm. that's when the game, like, it, it, at least watching on television. I wonder if it felt this way in the arena too that you could sort of see, you know, the the air leaving the balloon for 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 Indiana in mm-hmm. at the, at that point. Like that was. Um. Yeah, it, it felt like the the game was really changing in Auburn's favor, uh, in in that in that stretch, and it and it showed on the scoreboard too. Um. Yeah. It, to to your point, like I think there was the Indiana Indiana had about 
what felt like 500 uh, basketball reporters <laughs> at the game. So uh, they traveled deep uh, in, in the media as well. But one of the things that came out from that press conference afterwards, and Mike Woodson was in there talking about it, there was a moment in the first half when Auburn started to turn the tide a little bit. They had Ware and Renault out of the game at the same time, and it was just like, you know, Auburn just capitalized on it because that takes away a a vast majority of their offensive production, and those rotation that rotation really backfired on um, on Indiana and Auburn capitalize on it because Auburn is a team that prides itself on the fact that no matter who's out there on the floor, whatever combination you can do, you'll be fine. The you know, Renault and Ware, they're at their best when they play together, but they can't play every minute. And when they the times where they were staggered off at the same time, it just Auburn really capitalized it. And hey, with with Cheney in that foul trouble, Auburn had to do Auburn did some things some like there was a little bit of a stretch where Broom and Cal- Caldwell played on the floor at the same time. It's the first time that's ever happened. Didn't happen a ton, but it was effective. You know, Chris Moore got to, got to do some dirty work at the four as well. They picked up Leor Berman had good minutes. Thought thought Dylan Caldwell had a, had a really good game again. Like like Broom didn't score much. Only had two points, but eight boards. Janai had seven boards in this game. Janai had three assists. He was trying to get his shot going, wasn't really falling. Um, so he started deferring a lot more. I don't think he took a shot in the, like the final 16 minutes of the game. Uh, Broom didn't. And it was very clear that Indiana was trying to limit Broom because Broom had been, I mean, his last two games for Auburn, he had been he had been averaging like 25 points a game. So they tried to take it, take that away. Um Auburn just had the other weapons to kind of kind of boot. So it was one of those things where like Auburn focused on taking away Indiana's post presence and limiting that. Indiana did the same thing. The problem is Indiana does not have the guards and the wings that Auburn has. And that was a huge reason why they ended up winning that game. Um, I mean, six guys in double figures in this game. Trey Donaldson had 10. Chad Baker Mazzara had 11, like I said earlier. Janai Broom did not score <laughs> but two points in this game. Um, you had a couple of guys. You had, you had several guys in your rotation barely score at all, and Auburn still scored 104 points. I mean, that that's a really, really good sign of where this team is and what this balance can be. Um, you know, I, it, it felt, Dan, like yesterday, I mean, they scored 52 points in both halves. It was insanely efficient basketball all the way through for Auburn. It just felt like, uh, you know, there were some people who were kind of panicked, you know, hitting, hitting the panic button, a little worry button at least from that App State loss. One, App State's going to be a pretty good team. And, and two, it was just this is more of like what the team is capable of. Now, they're not going to score 104 every night, obviously, and, and Bruce had a pretty funny joke about that after the game. But, you know, this th- this team has the capability of playing awesome offense, awesome defense, and they stuck to their guns. You know, the game plan looked like it was going to backfire early. They stuck to it and it worked. I think that and the season as a whole has kind of been that as well. Like trust the fact that things are going to work out more often than not with the, with the makeup of your team that you've got. If, if you think back to the Virginia Tech game and, it, and Auburn did it a different way in that game because they forced more turnovers and didn't really hit a lot of threes against Virginia Tech. But that game sort of played out the same way where. It was close early, but the game started to lean Auburn. Mm-hmm. 
as as the first half went on, and then you know what once you're once you're behind against this Auburn team, it just feels like you know Auburn has the potential to stretch a you know an eight point lead can become a sixteen point lead really quickly, or sixteen can can stretch past twenty, and we saw that uh, against against Virginia Tech, and and I think we saw that uh, for the most part. I know there was that that you know one Indiana stretch, but for the most part, we saw that in the second half against uh against indiana as well yeah indiana they had that run early in the first in the second half they did not have consecutive baskets the rest of the way they didn't have a real run the rest of the way in, the, in that game and, and and auburn just held them in check there again this defense is is awesome um this offense has the the capability of being awesome Right now on Kempom, Auburn is number 20 in offense and number 16 in defense. There's only a handful of teams in college basketball that are top 20 in both. They are number 12 overall after Bama lost to Purdue, which no shame in that. Although I think Alabama, as awesome as they are on offense, I, I really don't know what they're going to do on the defensive end throughout the season. But Auburn's now up to number 12 in Kempom. Uh, they're 11 on Ev- Evan Maya. Um this is uh, it, this is a really good uh, this is a really good stretch here coming up uh, for Auburn where they can get they can get rolling and um, you know I, I think w- we've mentioned it we've mentioned it uh, but we haven't really hammered it yet as as big of a stat as this was twenty five assists three turnovers in this game the third turnover was one of those where Jalen Harper, who graduated yesterday, by the way, and and, and Dylan Carwell uh, graduated uh, later that night, got to go back home and, and do that. Really cool. Congratulations to both of those guys. Jalen Harper just put up a shot just to run the clock out, and it just so happened to land with less than a second left, so technically it was a turnover. Avoid that if that ball would have hung in the air for a little bit longer. Auburn had two turnovers in in the game. That would have been a program record. Indiana, again, did not have the dudes, did not have the pressure, didn't have the athletes, didn't have the uh, pressure really to give Auburn a hard hard enough time on defense. But we have seen Auburn take care of the ball pretty well this this season at times, and the assist numbers are crazy. Um, They have assisted on nearly 70% of their, their shots they've hit this year. Uh, only Kansas is better in college basketball. This is a team that is sharing the load. Um, we had talked about it the last couple of seasons, how Auburn needed a secondary playmaker to really step up, and it can't just be the guard. It can't just be the point guard generating the offense. I mean, in this game, Holloway, Williams, Broom, Jones, Johnson, Donaldson, and Mazzara all had multiple assists in this game, uh, and most of them had three or more assist if everybody's involved if everybody's doing that if everybody's sharing the ball everybody's knocking down shots it's a really good offense this is just they have the potential to be a great offense now i do wonder i don't want to put too much of a damper on on what was a really good win for auburn i do wonder if more and more teams play like indiana played against jenny broom against auburn's front court you know can auburn Get, they're going to have to get more from their from their big man in games like this, where you know r- you know teams are going to try to rough them up down low. You don't want to be too jump shot. You know you don't want to be too jump shot uh, based. But this team does have the shooters to knock those down, and, and in this game, um, they did a really really good job. And I just 
I mean, 25, 25 assists and three turnovers. Uh, I looked it up yesterday. Since 2010, only 24 teams in college basketball have ever done that in a game. I mean, this is you watched a really special, really beautiful basketball game. So I do want to talk a little bit about uh, UNC Asheville coming up on Wednesday. But before we do that, guys, any any final thoughts on Auburn, Indiana? 28-point win in, in, in a neutral site. I mean, it's just that's about as that's about as good as it gets. All right, so Auburn plays another neutral site game on Wednesday night against UNC Asheville. Um, you know, of course, Painter, we're 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 big Mike Burger Master fans on here, and as we said in the last podcast, we 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 liked it for for uh, it was cool to um you know be a fan of his. Uh, Penn gave Kentucky quite a game yesterday. Auburn does play Penn uh uh right after the new year. Um, I I did think though when Auburn scheduled when they got UNC Asheville when they were playing UNC Asheville probably looked like a better game on paper. Uh, when it happened, UNC Asheville last season, uh, 15th seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, winning the uh, Big South Conference. Um, they got beat by by Dan's UCLA team in the first round. But um, the Bulldogs, the team that went to the went to the Big Dance last year, and Auburn scheduled them, and it hadn't gone so well so far for UNC Asheville. They're five and five right now. Three of those five wins have come against non-D1 teams. They did beat Wofford and they did beat Western Kentucky, which are top 200 teams. They're solid. Uh, but they got blown out by Michigan. Uh, they got beat pretty soundly by UNC Wilmington, as we know is a really good team. Because they beat Kentucky. Uh, got beat pretty solidly by Lipscomb, double digits. Lost in overtime to Kennesaw State. And then yesterday lost by 15 to Western Carolina. This team has played a tougher schedule uh, than most, but it's just it's just kind of struggling against D one competition. Uh, Auburn is projected to win by eighteen on Kempom right now. I'm not saying it's going to be a complete breeze by any means. Um, Dan, do you remember? I don't know. This guy didn't play a ton there. Do you remember Drew Pember when he played at Tennessee? You remember UT a big big? Uh, he's a like a stretch uh, stretch big man for them. Came off the bench. The na- name sounds familiar. Is is he uh is is he involved? He's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy at UNC Asheville. Uh, he is uh, currently uh, you know, pro- I don't want to say he's their whole offense because that's not fair to those guys at all. But uh, Pember's averaging eighteen point one points a game, uh, seven rebounds a game. Uh, he's hitting shots left and right. Uh, he's shooting it yeah, up for, for, he's six eleven and he's shooting 41% from deep. He draws a ton of fouls. Um, really good free throw shooter as well. So you've got another big man who's not exactly like what you just saw out of Indiana, but you got another stretchy scoring big man. Be an interesting matchup from that, that, that angle. Um, one of the more experienced teams in D one basketball, they start, uh, it looks like they start five seniors, uh, and bring two more off the bench. Um, they got a kid named Fletcher, a B. Which is, I think, is just a fun name. Uh, who's one of their best players? Uh, he's averaging, he's averaging thirteen a game, and then uh, Josh Banks, a, a junior, is, is averaging twelve and a half. So, again, not a team that is terrifying by any means. They've got some, they got some weapons, and if they can get hot, they can be interesting. But um, I'm not expecting a really, really tough test in Huntsville for 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 Auburn. We'll see. But uh, this team is currently. 223 in Kempom, that would be the that would be around southeastern Louisiana territory. It's 15 years, so I know he's not there anymore. But do you guys uh does the name Kenny George 
the big guy. Uh, yeah, Kenny George was the seven foot seven uh, UNC Asheville center uh, that played in the uh, in the in the in the late two uh, thousands. Uh, for, uh, for 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 UNC Asheville, yeah, you know, that's what that's what I think of when I think of UNC Asheville basketball. Still, you know, you yep. know, a guy a guy like that, you know, giving him a fighting chance against ma- major conference opposition and stuff, and also just, I mean, to see someone that size out there. I mean, we'd seen Yao Ming, you know, and and Minute Bowl and stuff, but it was like it list, listed at what seven foot seven. Yeah, so uh, I mean, this is so this is his Wikipedia entry. Kenneth George Jr. is a American former college basketball player. Somewhere between seven foot seven and seven foot nine, he was the tallest basketball player in the United States during the two play- years he played for UNC Asheville, and may have been the tallest player in the history of college basketball. Yeah, we didn't have the equipment to measure someone's height back in two thousand eight. <laughs> I just love so how it's, it's, just it's how estimated. Like, yeah, maybe like. Yeah. Eh. Who knows? Like he's from the like he's from the like like he's from the twelve hundreds or something, right? Like we're es- we're just estimating his height based on. They legend. gave him yeah. They gave him yeah. They gave him Andre the Giant measurements. It was like yeah, he's, he's big. I can tell you that he's he's big. He's big guy. I'm I'm stunned. Vince let that guy slip through the cracks, too. Right? So, like I I know I know he had some health problems towards the end of his yeah college had, basketball career. Yeah, I saw that he had had. He had to get his foot amputated at one point uh, because of a because of an infection that happened. But yeah, Kenny George, his his last season at at, at uh, UNC Asheville, uh, he <laughs> he hit seventy percent of his shots from the field, and he was uh, he, he he was uh, the the seventh best defensive rebounder in the country and the third best block guy in the country, and it's just. Listed listed on Kempom that year officially at seven seven three sixty. Um so yeah, Andre the Giant right, rolling out there. Uh so yeah, I, I'm with you though, Dan. Like I hadn't thought about that in a while, but I guess that is what I think about when I think of UNC Asheville basketball. Uh is is the is, is the big man Kenny George. Um they made it to the NCAA they made it to the NCAA tournament a few times over the last last several years. But yeah, I, on paper I think this was gonna be Probably a better matchup at the beginning of the year. It hasn't gone as well for UNC Asheville, but they've got experience. They've got dudes. They could give Auburn some trouble if Auburn's not locked in and and playing well early. Um, I'm sure Bruce will, um, you know, run down all of the uh, not run down, but like, you, you know, what I'm saying give give a breakdown of everything that uh, that he thinks about this team. And again, another matchup for Janai and this center group and this front court where you know. A team that's going to run a lot of stuff through their big man, and uh, I, I'm interested to see that match. I mean, I'm interested to see what the crowd's like in Huntsville. Uh, it's been it's been quite a while since Auburn's Auburn last played a basketball game in Huntsville, uh, and I know those of you up in North Alabama have been you know you've seen Auburn play in Birmingham, you've seen Auburn play in Atlanta a ton, you've seen Auburn play in Mobile. Um, they've bounced around all over the state and all over all over the area, and you want you want one in your own backyard. So I'm I'm expecting a pretty good crowd for for uh, Auburn and UNC Asheville and Huntsville uh, on, on Wednesday. And then fellas after that one, USC. And apparently Bronny James is going to be um, clear to play. Uh, I think today, uh, as we recorded this on Sunday, he's supposed to make his debut for USC. Don't know if that means LeBron's going to be able to be in the building uh, for the Auburn, for the Auburn game next Sunday, but um, it'll be a nice little tune up. I think for Auburn before they face, one of the better teams they'll play all year, I think, in, in USC, at least from a talent perspective. Um, that that 
that crew is that crew is something fierce. Yeah, home game uh, today as we tape this. Long Beach State uh, and uh, and USC are playing at the uh, Galen Center. I assume. I mean, it, it's, it sounds like Barani's going to make his debut in that game, so we might need to you know back off the LeBron watch for the uh, for, for the Auburn USC game. That's still probably the biggest non-conference game ever at Neville Arena, even with. Uh, e- even with LeBron watch called off because it's a highly talented USC team. And you know, I, th- I think Auburn and USC are both teams. Yeah. May- maybe they don't have numbers next to their name right now. Uh, pro- probably among the top 20 or 25 most talented teams. Absolutely. In college basketball. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. So we will, uh, we'll talk. Um, we'll talk the UNC Asheville game. That podcast will probably go up on Friday. We'll, we may preview the USC game as well. Uh, Cause I will be in Asheville or Asheville. I will be in, not in Asheville. I almost was in Asheville uh, last week. Um, I, I will be in Huntsville on Wednesday night. So we'll probably record that on Thursday night and get back. Uh, get that out to y'all on Friday. So we'll talk UNC Asheville basketball. We'll preview the USC game. And obviously we'll talk a lot of football as well. And uh, we'll talk some football here right after a few messages. Number one, if you like this show and you want more of it, uh, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer. Right now, we're running a special from now to the end of December, just for the holidays. Uh, you can get a, a subscription to the Observer for $5 a month or $50 a year. Also makes it a little bit easier if you've been thinking about giving a gift. Uh, quite a few of you have already given gifts of the of your Observer subscriptions, so you can buy a month or a full year. Uh, you can set the pr- you can set the date where that goes live. So if you want to give, uh, you know, somebody on Christmas Day, or you want to line it up with a Christmas party or some sort of get together, you can set the ske- you can schedule the exact time for that subscription to go live, where they'll get the email and they'll know when their subscription is going. That's at auburnobserver.com. Five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year right now. And if you give a gift and you're a subscriber, email me, and I will put some free time on your account just for giving the gift of the Observer this time of year. We really, really appreciate it. Painter, what else can uh, the folks do to help us out? Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. It uh, it helps us out a ton. Um, I saw that uh, I, I saw that I don't know if you guys know this. Substack is now putting transcripts and it's not great. It's like AI produced transcripts, so it's not perfect. Uh, but people can now read what we say on this podcast. Dan, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Ooh, I I am better. I'm better in the moment than when you look back and read yeah, what exactly. uh, what what I had to say in hindsight. So it seems a lot more profound when I'm saying it than when you when you go back and read and it's like, oh, actually, much of this is nonsense. <laughs> I was having fun with that the other day. I was scrolling through and I was like, I was like, <laughs> some of, like especially when we get really off the rails trying to see what trying to see how a computer handles that is. It is pretty fun to watch. Um, also, I mentioned meeting Connor and Tom at home field from home field on uh, on on Saturday. Shout out to those folks. Shout out to Home Field Apparel, the number one place to buy collegiate apparel. We're talking the best vintage logos and designs you're going to find anywhere on the softest t-shirts, hoodies, uh, sweatshirts, bomber jackets, joggers, hats, all that great stuff at Home Field. They're doing the 12 days of Home Field. That's running running low here. We're, we're running out. Of time and you want to go ahead and get your order in you want to go ahead and get that shipped out and get those gifts in time uh for the holidays homefieldapparel.com you can also get the official auburn observer t-shirt um 
just go to homefieldapparel.com, search Auburn Observer, and you can add that T-shirt to your cart. 15% off your first order with Homefield by using the promo code Observer23 at checkout. That is Observer23 upon checkout. Um, fellas, I want to tell you, the home field, the home field addiction is real, and an Auburn basketball game and an Indiana basketball game, when you put those two teams together, I saw so much home field yesterday at, at State Farm, uh, and uh, this is really fitting, really fitting. So go get you some home field. Uh, I think it's going to get colder around here here pretty soon. Painter, how, how's the weather in Parts Unknown? Or actually, what have we decided? Undisclosed location. Parts Unknown has, has been moved. It's been wonderful. Had to had to battle it in the summer, but we've put in the work. We put in the time. Here's our payoff. Now you can only hear the weather from the depths of the pit. Yes. Yeah. He's he's he hasn't heard rain in a while, so it sounds like it's been pretty nice outside. All right, gentlemen, let's talk a little football here. Um, Auburn this weekend having several visitors on campus um, in the transfer portal. one of the main ones to talk about right now is Robert Lewis, the Georgia State um, transfer wide receiver. Uh, Robert Lewis uh, is, uh, you know, visited Auburn this weekend, and he said after his visit, um, this is from our buddy uh, Christian Clemente over at Auburn Undercover. Make sure you subscribe to those guys. And, you know, subscribe to a recruiting service of sorts. On three rivals, they all do a really, really good job. Um we use 24-7 a lot because that's just what I've been used to with the composite. You could, you could give Bill Cameron some money and he'll tell you he'll tell you about re- <laughs> he'll tell you about recruiting. You know, it's give in you the his, depth chart. Yeah, twice a week. You know, he'll he'll take yeah, your hey. call. Um this is from Christian though. Christian uh talking to uh Robert Lewis after his visit on Sunday said, Right now Albert is number one on on my list just with how they approach me. The first came team to contact me really, and they were really the first team to come and show face. You know, there. Coach Davis was the first one I met throughout this whole process. Auburn is number one. Uh, last year at Georgia State, uh, Lewis had 70 catches for 877 yards and seven touchdowns. He is a uh, really interesting prospect, a guy that has had some production uh, in his career uh, at Georgia State and, uh, you know, got the ball a ton this past season for the Panthers. Uh, he is a 511 185 pound receiver from Covington, Georgia. Uh, so probably more of a slot guy in this system. But uh, Auburn wanting to upgrade at wide receiver, wanting to kind of get more, obviously, Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson and, and all that. Well, I have a little note on that I want to share here briefly. But yeah, Auburn, Auburn, uh, Dan making, making some moves in the wide receiver room. Like a lot of offers have gone out. They're not going to get all of them, obviously, and there's a t- tight competition to get really good receivers. But um, bringing a guy like Lewis on campus and and seeing if they can add some experience to what should be a young and talented receiver room next year. Yeah, and, and the numbers, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Where you know, right now you've got at at press time, you've got five receivers slated to return from last year's team: uh, Var, Jay Fair. Caleb Burton, Coy Moore, and Camden Brown. That that's that's what I've got. Now we're waiting to hear what any of those guys want to do with the portal open and the NFL draft eligibility uh window open. But Auburn's got four receivers committed uh from the high school ranks. 
that that's nine. If those five uh, veterans return, that would still, you know, you would think they'd want some more. Yeah, you'd think they'd want one or two from the portal at least. And that's assuming there aren't any more defections. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe it's fewer than five receivers who return from last year's team because the portal window is is still open. And there's another portal window in the spring if any of those guys don't like their uh, uh, their their prospects for playing time. Yeah, um, I saw a stat on Sunday morning. I think rivals tweeted the rivals tweeted it out their uh, portal account. Uh, Auburn has the second fewest te- uh, players of any SEC team in the portal right now. Alabama's the lowest, but that's not surprising. Alabama's still playing for a national title. They're going to be in the playoff. That might change uh, here in the future. Uh, but, yeah, we talked about it, about how the health of the team and the program, when you when you lose guys, but they're mostly guys that have, you know, were reserves, probably weren't going to get a ton of playing time, not going to be dependent on it, get a ton of production next year stands out uh, i know uh sledge uh committed to illinois yesterday so good on him for landing a, a new spot so quickly um but yeah I mean, this this wide receiver room is going to get really interesting i think and and robert lewis is one that i think auburn could really um you know add as somebody who has gotten a lot of experience and production at, at least in terms of catches and i'm not i don't want to i don't want to denigrate marner and hooks and and, and shorter too much but you know, these were guys, you know, Shore was a guy who was a big play dude, had missed a lot of time with injury, you know, more of yards than actual catches. Hooks was coming from the FCS level, had some solid years at at, at Ohio. Marner had kind of had one really good year at Hawaii and kind of didn't have a ton of production at, at Cincinnati the year before. If you're playing kind of, you know, optimist view here for a guy like Robert Lewis, it's the fact that, you know, 70 catches – in a year is is pretty impressive anywhere, and and that would be a level of production I think would be a step up from what Auburn had been getting. I did want to mention this. So Super Seven was this week uh, in 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 Alabama, so the state title games. Congrats to all the winners um, there. Cam Coleman, seven uh, A game MVP. I think we were recording the podcast during that game on on Wednesday night. He has basically what ended up being the game-winning touchdown uh, of the of the of the seven-day title game. The little slant runs for forever, monster game. Finishes a great career. They beat Thompson. Thompson had just been winning left and right. Uh, I think they had won four or five straight state titles. They have the they have the the boy wonder at quarterback uh, and Trent Seaburn and like it was a really, really good win there for, for, for Cam Coleman and Pat Nix and, and those guys at central, they'd been waiting for that one for a while. And then a few days later in the six, uh, a game, uh, Auburn target and current Alabama 2025 commitment, Ryan Williams. I think he had over 200 yards and like four touchdowns in that game. They lost, uh, and Clay Chalkville, uh, ended up winning that game. Uh, DJ Barber, uh, who's coming to Auburn, um, Making the uh, making the game winning tackle, game ceiling tackle. Uh, they're down the stretch. A really good sign there from Auburn. But Auburn's going to try to flip him. And Painter, I just I wanted your reaction to this specifically because this weekend it kind of clicked in my head for me. And my thought was this: Auburn football, as we know it, might be back in one big way, and that big way is. Most of the weekend was spent with Auburn fans on message boards and online 
worried that the flip was coming for Perry Thompson or I saw Perry Thompson and Cam Coleman to Alabama. Uh, and you know, Ryan and that Alabama's gonna get end up getting all these receivers. And it's been a minute. I mean, we're we're less than two weeks away from early signing period. It's been a minute since Auburn's Auburn's recruiting success has fueled some late paranoia from the fan base. Auburn fans having a reason to be concerned that other teams would want their players and that <laughs> yeah. they would uh, you know, be going after highly touted recruits that Auburn has seemingly secured. Uh, We know things get wacky down the stretch here, though. Uh, Conversely, or maybe in the same vein, other programs accusing Auburn of cheating. Yes, (laughs) folks. Even in the NIL era. Like, I don't really know how you do it. I guess there's a way. I'm just, I haven't figured it out. But if, you know, hey, whatever it takes. Auburn's Auburn's giving people Shohei Otani money. I mean, I, I suppose I suppose reaching out to players who aren't in the portal yet. Yeah, but everybody's doing that. I know, I know, but even in the NIL era, like that would that would still yeah. be cheating if you got. And caught. there are still and there are still like dead periods and stuff like that. that's what that's what like I believe that's what Michigan ran into. Well, and I'm under Part the impression I'm under the impression the ultimate loophole there is like I don't think telling a player's high school coach that there'd be a role for that player in the portal. You know, if, if that player decided yeah, I don't to look, know, I don't know how, I don't like, know how the contact rules work. Yeah. For, for like, like close folk. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the tampering rules are. And there's also the obvious one, which is that players can talk to each other and it's not tampering. So right. Yeah. A, a quarterback can DM a receiver for another team and say, Hey, you know, there's, there's big money. If I mean, like when, portal when guys like Riley Leonard go into the portal and they say, don't talk to me, it's like, well, <laughs> well, I, th- yeah. I think you, I think you might have an idea. Uh, no. So, so I think, uh, it, yeah, the, the notion of, of cheating is, is quaint at this point in, uh, in, in college. Well, I'm still at, you know, I, I'm still in I'll believe it when I see it mode on Ryan Williams. Like that's sure. not to yeah, say, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's, that's completely not to fair. say. Not to say I dismiss it. And it's it's very as someone who knew Ryan Senior, uh, mm-hmm. you know, during during his time at Auburn, it's it's wild now. Like the the buzz yeah. around, you know, he might he, his son might be the number one player uh, in you know if, if he if he doesn't reclassify, he could very well be the number one player in the in the the overall. 2025 dude if even if he reclassifies i think he's one of the best players in the country period and and he might he might reclassify and be one of the one of the i mean he's he'll be one of the top players in 2024 if he does reclassify so yeah yeah it's it's very strange the the other name that keeps coming up is the uh uh buford is is it kj bolden kj bolden yeah yeah that's that's a name that i know visited syracuse this weekend syracuse just hired george's db coach uh to be the uh to be their new head coach Fran uh, Brown, right? Yeah. yeah, he apparently told a reporter that he thought Syracuse could make it to the playoffs in the future, and and I was like, that's that's what you that's what you said when you really love a coach, yeah. <laughs> you, and you're willing to go out there and do, and nobody cares because it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, KJ, KJ is one of the best high, he might be the best high school safety I've ever watched. And then and real quietly, like, right? And then real quietly, KJ said in basketball as he was <laughs> he was walking away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, honestly, right now the way Syracuse is playing I, I, in basketball, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a slam dunk either. Um, <laughs> I feel like they would leave an, you know, the the committee would leave an undefeated Syracuse team out of a twelve team playoff. Maybe like I don't even know if like no thanks, we're fine. Um, I mean, if they did it at Florida State, it's, you know, they can do it at Syracuse. 
I will say this. I, going back to the going back to the recruiting thing, I want to be very clear and don't want to dismiss. Like there were there was there were rumors this weekend that Perry Thompson was going to visit Alabama. To date, he hasn't done that yet this weekend. Um, he seems like him with Auburn. He's done a lot of recruiting for Auburn, especially helping get Cam Coleman. Never say never. Anything can happen. And here's the thing, Auburn. Like Painter said, one, it's something where like other teams actually want your players. I think that says something about where Auburn is again. But number two, I mean, they flip. I mean, how many guys in this class have been flips? Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, uh, Waller, uh, Waller, uh, Demarcus Riddick. They flipped a ton of guys in this class, and they're trying to flip more, like Bolden, like some of these other dudes. If you're going to be doing all that flipping, you better get ready for teams to flip back. I mean, that's just that's just the nature of the beast this time of year. So I'm not saying Auburn's going to have everything completely locked in. None of these guys are going to flip, and nothing's going to go wrong, and Auburn's got it down the stretch. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I would not rule out anything because it's recruiting, and recruiting gets wild, especially the closer and closer we get to signing day. Um, but I, I did think it was like, hey, it, you know, hey, welcome back. Welcome back. It ain't all it ain't all roses all the time when you're when you're an elite recruiter or you're trying to be an elite recruiter when you're trying to swing heavy with the best and the best. Um, so I, I thought that was a really funny uh kind of note there. But Armin's got some more uh going back to transfers, Armin's got some more transfers that are uh making uh visits here in the next few days. One of the ones on Sunday, uh big Mac Pounders, which uh McCollin Pounders from Memphis offensive lineman. Dan Mac Pounders is like if it's not if it's not a five star uh, offensive line name, it's at least four point seven five. I don't know, very few very few uh, lineman names can get better than a kid literally named Pounders Mac Justin, Pounders. Justin, I try not to make references on this show that only you and I will appreciate. Sure, because it's you know it's not an audience. So just uh, you will be surprised sometimes. You'll be surprised. Yeah. At, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's one of the names that they yell out in Space Mutiny on the the MST3K. <laughs> it's like that. The Mac, Mac, Mac Pound- Pounders. Mac Pounders yeah, is I that like that is if if uh, if you asked an AI. Uh, an AI tool to write you an '80s action script. <laughs> Mac Mac Pounders would be the name of the protagonist in in that in that film. So yeah, yeah no, I, I think that's a that's an outstanding name for a for a college athlete, especially in a contact sport, especially somebody at the point of attack. Sign me up for uh, for, for Big Mac. Also, before we before we wrap up here, I do want to talk about something um, that has an Auburn tie. So I'm going to start this sentence, and people are going to. Someone may roll their eyes because this is what Dan and I talk about from time to time. Troy's got to get a new football coach. And, uh, you know, I'm not stunned uh, that, you know, John Summerall, who did such a great job at Troy, is going to Tulane. He has some ties there. And, um, you know, living in New Orleans, uh, I hate to say it, was probably a lot more fun than living in Troy, Alabama. I mean, no disrespect to you, Pike County. Uh, but you know, he's going, he's going to Tulane. Troy's got to get a new head coach. And one of the names that I have seen mentioned for the job already is drum roll, please. Zach Etheridge, Troy native played it, played at Charles Henderson, which is, if you don't know anything about Troy, Charles Henderson high school is literally right beside Troy university. Like it backs up right to it. Um, Zach obviously has done a phenomenal job at Auburn as a DB's coach and as a recruiter. Um, 
he is his name has been linked uh according to uh Bruce Feldman at the Athletic apparently uh Etheridge interviewed for the ULM job not too long ago we'll see we'll see i mean i think i think Zach Etheridge should be a head coach someday and i've said that about several assistants in the past for for Auburn um i think Travis Williams uh, who's now at Arkansas obviously is defense coordinator i think he would be a great fit there but Zach with his Troy ties with the fact that he's a great recruiter, and with the fact that I think big big school position coach to small school head coach is a pretty good jump to make and like not very hard at all. Like you don't have to be a coordinator to make that move. And a lot of good head coaches start, you know, made that jump from position coach. Just keep an eye on it. Just keep an eye on it. Um obviously it would be a great opportunity for Zach. And I think uh, you know, I, I think he's one of those guys that could end up being a head coach very very soon. And, you know, the fact that his hometown has has a has a FBS job in what I would consider the best group of five conference in college football and, and the Sun Belt being open, I think is is, is something to keep an eye on. <clears throat> Troy Athletics, huh? No, no. So it's like <laughs> no, no. I I think uh, I think in the case of the head coaching, okay. First of all, John Sumrall rules. Um, I'm going to miss yeah. him tremendously uh, at Troy. Uh, when when Troy lost, when Troy's women lost in the finals of the Sun Belt tournament in 2022, and didn't get to go back to the NCAA's, they rode the bus back to Troy, and everybody was sad. And we got back to the arena, and it was raining, and a crowd of people were waiting in the parking lot of Trojan Arena, and one of those people was John Sumrall. And he had, cool. he had just he just gotten the job, and it was really really cool to see that. So I'm I'm gonna miss him. He was uh, he, he was great. Uh, as for the vacancy, I think Zach Etheridge is interesting. I would sort of think the next step for Zach might be, I mean, if if he can get a Group of Five head coaching job, that would be great. I could also see an offensive minded, yeah, I could see an offensive minded Group of Five coach seeing Zach as a defensive coordinator option, especially. Yeah. And obviously, that's what. And obviously that's what T Will did and, and it could be there. And I think T I again I, I would look at T Will as a potential as a potential move there with his Alabama ties. Yeah, and, and I think uh I mean with, with Troy, I guess there is the question of especially if you if you really like your assistant coach position at a power five superpower, like do you want to leave that for a head coaching job in the group of five? I mean, it's it's fair to wonder because because I had people ask me you know, would would Cadillac, uh, you know, yeah. uh, take take a phone call if if Troy was interested in, in bringing him along? Would Del sure. McGee? Would Del McGee? Yeah, uh, over over at Georgia, uh, take take a phone call. I, from, from I Troy like those situation. I I like those potential hires more than getting a coordinator. Uh, a, a defense. I think Summerall. What Summerall? I got it. It was a D line coach. Um, and I I think he had been. I think he had been. He was their a, he was their inside linebacker. He was Kentucky's yeah. inside linebackers coach, um, and so he had never been a full on coordinator. And I just run that back. And, and there are a number of guys who have those kind of ties, and and obviously a few with Auburn ties. So and, and one one name I would watch for, and it was one of the first names people talked about when John Sumrall was was linked to Tulane. Al Pogue is yeah. very yeah. is very very popular. A lot of Auburn ties on the for this job. Very, very, yeah, very popular with uh, with with folks back in Troy and um, and someone who's who's done a lot uh, at, at a lot of different places. And, and I, I would keep an eye out maybe for him as as a candidate, too. And once again, I must I must say that I am going the Dan Campbell route with this job and saying 
I would love to help Troy football out as much as possible, but I'm not going to be coaching them. I'm going to go ahead and pull my name out of the running uh, for that vacancy. Uh, as tough as it is, uh, I, 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 I do like my job here. We are, we are committed to the future here at the observer, um, especially this close to signing day. All right. We will be back uh, later this week to talk Auburn, UNC, Asheville and basketball. Look ahead to the USC game, talk some more football, uh, you know, transfer portal recruiting, all that fun stuff in the silly season. And then uh, we'll get closer and closer um, to, you know, bowl practices and stuff like that. And, and we'll give you some more info and, and insight from that as Auburn gets ready to play Maryland. It's a fun time of year. Like I said, $5 a month or $50 a year from now to the end of the month at AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there uh, and uh, take advantage of the subscriptions. Also makes a great gift this time of year. That'll do it for me. Uh, we will be back later in the week. Newsletters throughout the week coming to the Observer. Final thoughts, Painter. Dan, what's on your Christmas list? Ooh, interesting. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting. You know, you know what? How about this? Is are are tires within the remit of a <laughs> of a, of a Christmas list? I got one hundred percent. That is a very thoughtful gift. If anyone's trying to give tires out, let me know. Yeah, because you know, and, and I'm I'm not the Michelin a cons- man coming to your house. I, I'm not conspiracy minded uh, in in a lot That's of ways. Good. I am I am convinced they could make a two hundred thousand mile tire, and they just <laughs> and they and they just choose not to. That's a good point. As someone who just had to put a lot of money down to get my car fixed, um, tires weren't one of them, but it was pretty much everything else. Uh, you know, that would be you know a good gift to be like, hi, here's a car that's fixed. Like, I don't need, I don't need a new car. Here, just fix my car. That would be, that would be good. Real practical, real practical. Painter, what's on your list? Uh, I want to pause real quick just to mention that a few weeks ago or a while back, someone online did the uh, AI version of the the train running through downtown Auburn. Now, I cannot fathom <laughs> the amount of headache that it would be. For us to get high speed rail in Auburn, Alabama. <laughs> However, it would be so sick if it were there. Logistically, seems like it could be a headache. As for what's on my list, uh, really, I'm I'm big into like the athleisure movement over the last few years. Anything that's comfy. Hey Painter, there's a there's a Lululemon now in Auburn. Uh, yeah, no, I had seen that, that's, and boy, I that mean, seems no, up your about, alley. Yeah, knowing your target audience, I mean that that's going to oh. crush there. Uh, they will make lots of money, and uh, they'll yeah, make so much money. It, whether you go for the Lulu stuff, which is wonderful, or like the Target, I thought you were going to say or the or the lemon. <laughs> <laughs> whether you go for the Lulu or the lemon, <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah, no, whether you go for the dupes or uh. Or, you know, the more expensive option. We love our, our comfy athleisure. Yellow everything this time, you know what I'm talking about? Yellow rounds, yellow big booty, yellow bones. <laughs> yellow rounds, yellow MPs, yellow watch, yellow charm ring, chain, yellow living room set, lemonade good shoes for my girl. Scoochie! Scoochie! I'm a sinner, six, there's no 20s in my gun. Look at this motor, I can't. Because it's...